await no longer greatness has arrived welcome to the trophy room a playstation podcast made by the players for the players i'm your host joseph aka mr Badbit, and it is here where me and my best friend kyle talk about the latest the greatest in all things playstation of course you can listen to the show wherever you find your podcasts and the video version on youtube at the trophy room show and if you like what you hear please consider dropping us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. you could plop us a follow and a review as well over on spotify or you could toss a buck our way over at patreon.com slash PS Trophy Room. So with all that said, and with all that out of the way, the greatest co-host, whoever is, whoever will be, Mr. Kyle Stevenson. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Joe. How are yeah. you? I'm tired this time, Kyle. I'm yeah. tired. I mean, I am too. I'm just not saying it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I slept for like nine hours last night, and Ooh. during work today, I was still like struggling to stay awake and, and focused. There's like the medium of like, cause like technically I, perhaps you overslept, which yeah. then makes you tired. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I feel like is kind of malarkey in the whole like, bi- biology of things. Real, real dumb. You should you're, be... te- you're telling me I need rest. Yeah. So I rest. I rest for what my body tells me. It's not like I set a timer and says, Hey, sleep for nine hours. I just, exactly. that just happened. So exactly. then, then you're, you're telling me that, I slept too long. Well, whose whose choice was that? Body, brain. Yeah. Whose choice was that? I didn't do that. How dare you? I mean, technically you did, but yeah. <laughs> you would think it works like a video game where you get rested XP, so you do more yeah. stuff. And yeah, and for those of you who are like, oh, you set an alarm. I, no, I didn't. I fell asleep on the couch for three hours, and then I went up to my bed and slept for six hours. Jeez, Louise. Kyle, jeez. What? Yeah. Well, no, th- like this morning, I, I like I have a bad excuse. I woke up very early, and I watched Moon Knight. Ah, it's mm-hmm. become my, my my brother and I's like weekly thing now because we're really digging the show. So okay. it's just it's just like a way for us to you know good nice right? bonding time in the morning. Yeah, nice little bonding yeah. time. Now here's here's a question that we actually this is a good icebreaker for mm-hmm. the show. So. A question from Millennium Falcon Gaming. They say, hello, Kyle and Joseph. I feel like PlayStation has given us a real... Oh, don't start the podcast like this, Millennium. Banger of a year for games. With nearly eight months left for releases, my question is, between work and the rest of life, how do you find the time or set time aside to enjoy and play these awesome games? Because, yeah, we talk about how we're tired every week. How am I getting through Tiny Tina's, you know, Nobody Saves the World (laughs) and Elden Ring? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That is a great question, uh, Millennial Falcon. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. It's 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 even tough. Like for those of you out there who have a family at home, don't live by yourselves. So you come home and there's kids around, or your your partner, and you want to spend time with them. And by the next thing you know, it's like eight thirty nine o'clock, and then you finally have some me time. Uh, so like it's it's definitely tough. I do most of mine since I've started working most of my gaming on the weekends, mm. and that's pretty much where I do big chunks of it. And then throughout the week, if I'm feeling like I could give up an hour of sleep to play a little <laughs> bit, I I will do that. Like yeah. after recording tonight, I might play a little bit of MLB the Show tonight just to get my fix in, and then yeah. I'll, I'll I'll go to sleep. But it's definitely tough. It's so hard. Yeah, there's a different element when you're working from home as well that I've been going through. I've been trying to ask a lot of people that have been going through it. They're like, so how do you break up the monotony of like staying in this room all day? Because it's driving me a little, yeah, you know, 
bonkers. Mm-hmm. And they're like, go for walks, go outside, like just do something every other hour that takes you out of this room. So you're doing something else. It's hard when like, yeah, I record the podcast here. I work here and I also game here. So mm-hmm. it's not like I could go to another room. So like real talk, Kyle, I humble brag my Vita three, AKA what other people call the steam deck, terrible names, uh-huh. Vita three. Uh-huh. It's, it's shipped to my house. I can't wait because I'll be able to finally play some really awesome games on the couch somewhere totally different from here or outside because the weather is beautiful. Like I'm going to, I'm going to learn by the time you get it. Yeah. Be like, yeah, I, I play in my bed, which is like five feet away from you. Yeah. That's probably <laughs> it too. Cause I, I remember, I remember the two weeks into the global condition um, that like I was playing literally like animal crossing nonstop just yeah. on the bed chilling. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, I could get used to this. Nope. (laughs) Two plus years later, Joseph doesn't know. Yeah. So the one thing that I do is like, for me, I have to have a social element to games. So, you know, I try to play with folks as much as I can. So unfortunately my company that I keep is composed of people like Luke Lore. um, And we play Fortnite. And like, that's my way of like getting the social hours. in. then after I'm done playing with them for like an hour or two, I'll be onto the Fortnite and, or sorry, onto something else other than Fortnite and, and playing that. Like I've been playing a ton of like Lego star Wars and mm-hmm. that's the way I decompress. Cause at the end of the day, this is how I like to consume my content via gaming. So I I'm kind of lucky that like, I enjoy a good cinema, but I don't go to the movies every day or like I enjoy a nice TV show, but I don't make it, you know, a thing yeah. though. That, that's day, even... Stranger things. Oh, like, stranger ooh, things. Boy. Ooh, we can't yeah. wait. Yeah, that that then that's more of a wrench that gets thrown in it. Like, yeah, there are so many TV shows I need to watch and, yeah. and movies and podcasts that I because I'm a weirdo that likes to watch the podcasts and like <laughs> you know there's there's uh, now that it's baseball season I want to watch the Mets and yeah. that's a couple hours almost every day. So finding time to do the things you love while balancing everything else that is the important side I put in air quotes. Yeah. Um, it's so hard. Yeah. But you just find the balance somewhere, man. Yeah. You know, that's how you do yeah. it. And listen, you can't, we can reminisce about the good old days where we were gaming for like six hours a day. Those were great times, but those times must come to an end. Everybody runs into them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That said, Kyle, listen, enough of gallivanting about our Fortnite adventures <laughs> and how we're going to play MLB the show till midnight. Yeah. It's time for our Patreon pitch. Of course, I want to thank our newest member, Jason Wood. I want to thank our platinum producers, Todd Berwitz and Toxic. I want to thank our gold members, Spam and Bam and Too Soon, Gavin Gottfried, Jose Jimenez, Jedi Master, Red Metal Kirby, Awesome Dave, Robbie Bobby Miller, Struebles and Bits, and Chaotic Monkey. We're, oh, our Silver Plus members, Hide Indoors, Nakajaka. Marcus O'Neill, oh, it's just right, JB the Purple Monkey, Jadus Vaughn Metal, Tim Ulf, Justin Rodriguez, Cypher Primus, Captain Logan, Todd Roper, Brenton Zachary, Kay Grimm, Rick Arrington, Dewane Raksha, The Good Sir, Trucker Sloth, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, Drellish, Foolish Fuji, Annie Daynell, Kevin Mitchell, Kevin Diaz, Manx, Vizia, The Lord, Kurgi, Kur- Kirby, Kirby, like Kirby fully lo- loaded. No, Corgi, Elo, twenty thirty two, Stephen Flesh, Jinx, the seventeenth, <laughs> Bubble Boy, N seven, and Jesse Garcia. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. 
every single week. Uh, literally, this month is like the biggest bill month because like all the services that we ever do is this month that we're able to pay most of it because of your generosity over at patreon.com slash PS trophy room. It's the reason why the cameras look so good. It's the reason why we sound so great is because of your generosity. Even if it's just a dollar, it definitely helps the show grow and makes us better day in day out. We have some huge plans coming towards the end of the year and it literally banks on Patreon. Huge plans, crazy plans. That being said, this week's show we're going to be talking about, listen, there was a crazy PlayStation news this week, but there was some crazy PlayStation news nonetheless. All right. Like, it's yeah. like mm-hmm. not crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. And what makes it crazy is that the top story of the night, Kyle, was broke by my frenemy, our nemesis, <laughs> Mr. Luke Lore over See, on. Don't, don't say Xbox. our. Our. No, not our. Just yours. Uh, I like Luke. He says that, Luke, but he doesn't mean it. Uh, He talked to Lauren Lanning and created this title, uh, how PlayStation Plus has devastated the Oddworld devs. We're going to be talking about the allegations of the Californian governor interfering with the Activision Blizzard the California lawsuit. We are going to be talking about how PlayStation VR 2 might have been quietly delayed. And of course, our Moss Book 2 interview and so much more. With all that said and with all that out of the way, Kyle, it's time to square up the news. First bit of news that needs to be squared up is from Rebecca Smith over at PS Lifestyle. Rebecca writes, more rumors suggest PSVR 2 may not be released until 2023. When PSVR 2 was first revealed, Sony left out any hint of a release date. Many assumed the headset would appear in time for the holiday season this year, but rumors are starting to gather pace and... Oh my god. But rumors are starting to gather pace that this won't be the case. Another source, this time a market researcher for VR display panels, has claimed both Sony's PSVR 2 headset and Apple's VR headset have both been delayed to 2023. When will the PSVR 2 be released? Sony has not announced the release date for the PSVR 2. However, rumors the PSVR 2 headset has been delayed and would not be released until early 2023 began at the start of March. This time, display supply chain consultant CEO Ross Ross Young has also said the headset has been delayed until 2023. This doesn't seem to be because of a shortage of VR display shipments, but may instead be because of a shortage of other components similar to that affecting the the supply of PS5 consoles. While the market analysts are likely to have access to insider information the public has not, it is still worth taking this rumor with a pinch of salt until Sony confirms a release date themselves. Ooh-wee, Dewani Raksha writes in, general comment about the PSVR 2. Can it be delayed if it never even had a release window announced, let alone a date? I would say that if this is declared to be a silent delay, then anything ever, ever released is silently delayed because as basically nothing comes out on the first estimate of a project finish date. I kind of agree got, with this. It's got the same energy of if a tree falls in a forest. Does anyone hear it? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, first and foremost, I wanted it to come out this year. I'm excited Babe. for PlayStation VR mm-hmm. 2 and seeing developers get their hands on the tech is exciting. But I'm I'm pretty realistic in, in knowing that, like, yeah, 2023 probably sounds right. It probably yeah. is 
is the date since it looks like developers are starting to actually get their hands on it for realsies this time it does make sense that you know it take about a year and a half to really push these things out and to get dev time really on them so yeah i think 2023 kind of makes sense are you kind of disappointed if this comes to fruition and it's a 2023 release yeah uh, i mean of course i'm disappointed because i want to see what it's all about and see what the next generation or iteration of psvr is uh also definitely want to play hopefully moss 2 on this headset uh at some point but uh yeah 2023 just makes sense with, with just seeing how bad the supply chain issues are still mm-hmm. um when it comes to especially technology and, and and tech products um it just makes so much sense to just wait until next year to do it and yeah. release it upon the world. Um, I feel like a few episodes ago, didn't we predict when it was going to come out? Yeah. We said something along the lines of like, if it comes out this holiday, that that's a good chance, but we mm. can see it slipping to okay. like a switch esque release date of mm. like early 2023. But now I'm February, March kind of thing. Honestly, Kyle, I, I'm coming down the line of like, maybe they push this to holiday 2023. Mm. Yeah, you and got, and and Sony's holiday is like September. Yeah, because to me, I I feel like you you got to get more PS fives out there, man. Sure. And to yeah. see that they're still so hard to find, they're still a commodity. Like they're, it's like it's worth in gold, you know. Yeah. Um. I I, I genuinely think you want this VR unit to make a big splash, and I genuinely hope out of that information, we also get the information of. You could plug this into a PC. Yes. You don't need to have a PlayStation 5 on, uh, connected. Like, that would be the preferred way, of course. But, like, I want to see, you know, what, you know, people like Nixus are actually maybe helping to port games to PC that are VR. Because, to me, it's vital for the VR market to survive, to grow. And I feel like that's a market where the competition actually needs each other. Like it's a really healthy competition out there because everybody's kind of like, okay, we'll make some exclusive games, but like more like timed exclusives. And Mm. we'll pay development on this game so that we get it a little bit early, but it'll come out on Steam, you know, in the next six months type of deal. And to add to that, I think the VR, uh, part of the industry also needs to be as adaptable as possible. So having the PSVR two on PC uh, in addition to PS five just makes it so people can use it in two different spots. Yeah. Like the quest is amazing because you don't need a PC. You just use it wherever. So like you, they need to be able to adapt to get it into the as many hands as possible, especially if there's, you know, the PS five thing is the, the shortages. Yeah. Not going to end anytime soon, which I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it'll end by sometime next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking that's when the supply chain gets better for PlayStation and just globally is probably the start of 2023 or midway through. And then we'll start seeing consoles be readily available. We'll see those slim models, all that stuff, probably 2023, 2024. So we're going to see a slim PS5 next year, you think? Uh, Yeah. Oh, boy. I think we're gonna. I mean, like you probably won't notice it. Like it's mm. more like the internals will be shrunken oh, down. That's what fair, I'm probably fair. thinking. Um, that said, Topher Nunez writes in 
with the supply chain issues still not letting up for Sony, PlayStation 5, and now seemingly PSVR 2, does it make sense now for Sony to get out ahead of this now? My guess is this will be typical Sony blog posts, but do you feel like even more reassurance from Sony is needed to calm the audience? If this is true, I think... Yes, you'll get a blog post out of this. I don't think PlayStation's going to make a big deal out of it. I think, to me, Kyle, I don't know about you, they probably posted the controllers out there, similar to why they posted the DualSense controller. When they did is because they knew people were going to, you know, sneak a picture of this during the dev uh, development. Sure, yeah. Uh, same with the headset. So I, I think that's the reason why you see the headset and you see the controllers now, but... Honestly, if we don't hear anything by, you know, mid-May, uh, then I, I think it's a safe bet that this thing is delayed. I think we have to give them by, I think, mid-May. If we don't have, like, a PSVR 2 showcase, yeah, this thing's been, it's been, it's been I A part of me says we haven't gotten that blog post yet, because Topher's right, and you're right, Joe. It will be a blog post at some point. Yeah. But I feel like they're waiting for... A state of play or god of war's release date or something to offset it yep. so it's it's so it's not like the biggest playstation news that week or in that cycle is vr2 getting delayed yeah and look just like how every insider was wrong about march um you know everybody was like next week next week's the week yeah. we're gonna get that psvr2 but right now we're at this point where why would you announce anything like next week is pax so yeah you're not going to not like there's no major news next week. I would assume because again, the pack packs is popping off. Mm -hmm. um, the next chance would be the week after. So we're talking about early may is probably when you got, you know, you get to hear some things or see some things yeah. out of the headset or whatever Sony has planned. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, I don't think you, you're going to see it in like a next week thing, just because strictly no. convention season is, is around the corner. Yep. So that said, that's our thoughts on the PSV2. I'm kind of with Dewani right right here. It's like, is it really a, a delay? I feel like no. At the end of the day, Sony's going to come out and they're going to be like, and this is our date. Because they never said 2020, you know, two. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they'll be like, and here is when you can, you know, experience or get hands on um, with this product. And it's 2023 and it's a loose 2023, I would think. Yeah, makes sense. That said, Kyle, let's talk about this clickbait article, this 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 hit job of a story from none other than Luke Lore of the Xbox Expansion Pass. Phony. And Ryan Dinsdale from IGN writes about Luke Lore's story uh, with the title PS Plus was devastating for Oddworld Soulstorm sales, says the developer. Oddworld Soulstorm being a free game on PlayStation Plus was quote-unquote devastating for sales, according to its creator. Lauren Landing, founder of Oddworld Inhabitants, said the game was downloaded close to 4 million times through PS Plus, significantly more than the studio's expectations of 50 to 100,000. Speaking on the Xbox Expansion Pass podcast, spotted by Video Games Chronicle, Landing said there was nothing malicious about the deal on Sony's end, but circumstances made it, quote, a double-edged sword, end quote. We were supposed to deliver in January, so at that time there wasn't going to be any game machines. We were like, 
How many could we possibly sell? Lanning continued. We needed the money to complete the project, and we thought we did a pretty good deal. In January, there's no way we'll sell more than this, end quote. The COVID-19 pandemic pushed Soulstorm back three months, however, and by this point, more PS5s are in the wild. Therefore, despite Sony essentially funding the final portion of development, Lanning said the 4 million downloads were devastating. Quote, because it slipped to April, we had the highest downloaded game on PS5, and it was, I think, approaching close to 4 million units or something like that for free because they were all subscriptions, he said. So for us, it was devastating, end quote. Of course, there's no evidence to, to suggest that Outworld Inhabitants actually lost out on potentially millions of sales. A benefit of PS Plus games is being able to try out games you wouldn't normally consider buying yourself, so many of Soulstorm's downloads may not have necessarily translated into sales. And a question from Supreme High Lord Chancellor Corgi uh, writes in. With the story coming out, that PlayStation Plus deal was devastating for the new Oddworld game. It surprises me that we haven't really seen any similar news with Game Pass day and date games. I know PlayStation Plus isn't a comparable uh, situation in its current state, but that's two services that offer games for quote unquote free while the studio is a paid a lump sum in front. Are we just not not seeing stories because Xbox is good spinning their game pass PR or is this type of news something we may see more of as PlayStation's own subscription service rolls out? Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> Let's tackle this, because actually, Lauren talks about both. First, he, he and Lauren. foremost, Lauren, sorry, um, he, he he says there's, it's not on Sony, like yeah, no. it, not their fault. Yeah, it, it was you know I take res- I you know Lucy saying I take responsibility because a delayed yeah. happened. He's really talking about in this in this quote is what harm a delay can do to a game, not mm-hmm. how harm could be put on a subscription service a subscription service yeah so he was saying in this interview which was all right luke you did fine (laughs) was listen you know making games are difficult and making games are really expensive and sometimes you have to take deals in order to see that game come to fruition and sometimes because of, you know, whether it's foreseen circumstances or unforeseen circumstances, a game gets pushed. And so the way I understand this, Corgi, is how PlayStation Plus works is essentially them walking up to you going, here's a large sum of money. And here's the amount of downloads that we think your game is going to sell. Right. And so here's this big chunk of change. And the more you sell, the less value. Again, this is just, I, I could be wrong at this point. Uh, the more you sell, the less value you get out of it. And then after a while, it just stops because that wasn't the projected deal, right? The deal was pretty much for, let's just say, anywhere from one to 100,000 units of this game is totally yours, mm-hmm. right? So what Lauren's saying is because. PlayStation 5s were, or because that delay happened, I'm guessing Soulstorm was supposed to be in December. Um, And that's why Bucksnacks was two months in, right? Remember you got Bucksnacks for November and December? It was supposed to be January, by the way. Sorry, January. Oh, January? Okay, makes sense. So that being said, 
yeah, he thought his game was going to come out in January, less PlayStations. Now you have a very hungry audience in April, March, around there, um, with like 4 million PlayStations. And so they gobbled up your game. And that hurts because you weren't expecting that big of a number. And Mm -hmm. developers are usually really realistic of how their game's going to do. So I bet that number also surprised him as well. Because he's like, I mean, he even says it. He's like, I thought this game was going to sell 500,000, not 4 million. Right. Mm -hmm. So he he knows, again, he knows the product he's making and what that audience speaks to and that size of. But it's, it was about the, the delay more than anything. Uh, Kyle, what what was what is your thoughts on on all this on on the hit job piece that Luke put out? And he's just <laughs> so did, proud of it too. Luke did a great job. He did a great job, as he, he always does. He's taking pictures of like of of like the podcast, like like he caught a big fish. It's like, look at this, guys. Look what I just did. <laughs> yeah, look IGN posted it, guys. Yeah, look, please. Hey, hey look at me. Yeah. Hey. Uh, um. <laughs> please clap. I, yeah, please clap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. It is more about the delay than anything else. Um, I do think a little bit is Lorne and Oddworld inhabitants, uh, maybe not realizing their full potential from the beginning. Mm. Like, 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 like maybe putting enough faith in a brand new game, mm. uh, and only having that number B as low as 50 to a hundred thousand that they were expecting to sell right out of the gate. Um, So yeah, I can, I can see that being a big bummer losing out on that much money. It's kind of like you find out the person in front of you bought a winning lottery ticket and you were, you were getting the same one and you were so close. close. It's, it's, it's that feeling. Um, I, I do have another, this whole conversation though, brought up something that I am sick and tired of hearing. What's that? I'm sick and tired of, of hearing that Game Pass Day 1 is good for bad games. To ah, try for bad games. Okay. Like, like I, I, I forgot who's, who said it somewhere, but they're like, oh yeah, that's a Game Pass game. Meaning, that game is not worth your money. It's it's going to be a bad quote-unquote game. So I'm, I'm going to just try it there and not support them any further kind of thing. Like it's, it's a, it's a game pass game because it didn't have a chance if it wasn't a game pass. You know what I mean? Like that feeling of putting a game down before it, before even seeing anything of it. I'm, I'm um, probably, I had better thoughts in this earlier in the day. No, no, I, <laughs> my brain was working way better. It was working real great. I like, and I thought about it in the car. I was like, I'm going to make this gonna be such a great I'm going to do so great today. Everybody's I'm going to make gonna Joe clap. proud. I'm going to make everyone <laughs> listening proud. And then it's like, do you ever, do you ever think that you could, you, you would ever think that. <laughs> Oh, oh God, I love you. Yeah, but it's just like uh, people are like, yeah, MLB yes. the show is on Game Pass. That's a that's a success story or something like that. Like, right. I, I'm just I'm just tired of it. Game yeah. Pass is good just to try out games, but not yeah. case in point. Yeah, right. Because I, I we could talk about it. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Right. Tomorrow's. Yeah, this comes out the 14th. Nobody saves the, saves the world day and day on Game Pass yeah. now on PlayStation Five. Games legitimately amazing. 
Probably yeah. one of my favorite games I've played this year. Yeah. And day one on Game Pass. So it doesn't necessarily mean just because a game launches on a service on day and date that it's bad. I mean, yeah. people like to clown bug snacks because it's made, you know, f- for children in mind, but also tells a really good story. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it knows it's it's funny and silly and wears itself on its sleeve. It knows it's a joke. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but some people can't move past it, and they see it on game, uh, you know, PlayStation Plus. This is what I hate. They're like, "Of course, that game's on game." You know, Exa- or, or yes, PlayStation thank Plus. you. That, that's what I'm trying to. It's yeah. that reaction. Of course, it's there. Yeah, it's like when I, when I took a look at Man Eater, I'm like, makes sense, and I'm gonna play it because it's a low yeah. risk game now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we have to change that narrative because as the tears come out, and they're they're gonna come out, and they're gonna be good. Right. In terms of like what you're going to probably be getting out of each tier, you could bet your bottom dollar that there's going to be indie games coming out day and date on the new PlayStation Plus. You know, mm-hmm. you can bet your bottom dollar that there's going to be more Game Pass games. coming. OK, day Annie. And day. Who? I said, OK, Annie. Oh, and, oh OK. <laughs> like, who's Annie? Annie <laughs> Warbucks over here. Yeah. But like you, you could bet that those games are good because they're they're low. They're low risk, high reward. And sure. if you're a de- developer, you're going to take that money because it is known. It is a lot. It's probably paying for some of, if not all of your development and you're getting free marketing and publicity out of it. So of course you're going to take it. Like would yeah. bug stacks be as big as it is right now. If it wasn't for PlayStation plus, I doubt it. I honestly yeah. doubt it. Uh, yeah. It, it, as a launch on the system. Yeah, it's a huge boost. Yeah, so I, I'm with you there. Just because it launches day one on a service doesn't make it a bad game. What yeah. it makes it is a a low risk of you going, okay, you know what? I probably wouldn't have bought this game because it looks weird. So I'm going to try it out here. And what really is the risk? If not, I lose what? Technically, no money because I have this service anyway. So mm-hmm. I have it. Might as well use it. Might as well try it out. And who knows? You're going to maybe end up loving that game. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we'll talk about it later because there's even a question that, that gets brought up about that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, dude. I hate, 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 hate it's annoying. that just because it's day one, it sucks. Again, there are a lot of games that I would not have tried out if it was not for Game Pass. And if it was not for PlayStation Plus, I'm looking at you, Fall Guys. I'm looking at you, uh, Rocket League, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. That's all I have to say on the matter, sir. Okay. That's all I got to say. All right. All right. So there you go, Luke. You got your little story. Now give me $500. All right. Next oh, up. Wait, Luke is paying? Uh. <clears throat> Uh, next up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, next one comes from Jason Schreier over at ooh. Bloomberg. Jason writes, California lawyer quits over allegation Newsom meddled in Activision case. A top lawyer for the state of California has resigned, accusing the governor's office of interfering with a discrimination lawsuit against Activision Blizzard Incorporated. Melanie Proctor, the assistant chief counsel for California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing, said in an email to staff Tuesday night that she was resigning to protest the fact that her boss at the agency, chief counsel Jeanette Whipper, had been abruptly fired by the governor. Both lawyers had already stepped down from the Activision lawsuit earlier this month without explanation. A representative for the two attorneys confirmed that Proctor had resigned and Whipper was fired. 
The allegation and loss of the top two lawyers on the case raises questions about the fate of the Activision lawsuit, which accuses the Santa Monica, California-based video game publisher of sexual discrimination and misconduct. The case is currently pending in Los Angeles Superior Court. The lawsuit, which detailed Activision's quote-unquote frat boy culture, led to employee walkouts, calls for the chief executive officer to resign, condemnation from its business partners, and a stock plunge that culminated in Microsoft Corporation's agreement earlier this year to purchase the company for $69 billion. Proctor said in the email to staff that in recent weeks, California Governor Gavin Newsom and his office, quote, began to interfere, end quote, with the Activision suit. Quote, the office of the governor repeatedly demanded advance notice of litigation strategy and of next steps in the litigation, Proctor wrote in the email, which was seen by Bloomberg. As we continue to win in state court, this interference increased, mimicking the interests of Activision's counsel. Proctor wrote that Whipper had, quote, attempted to protect, end quote, the agency's independence and was abruptly terminated, end quote, as a result. I hereby resign effective April 13th, 2022, in protest of the interference and Jeanette's termination, Proctor wrote. Whipper is evaluating all avenues of legal recourse, including a claim under the California Whistleblower Protection Act, said her spokeswoman, Alexis Ronecker. A spokesperson for the governor's office referred a Bloomberg request for comment to a spokesperson for the DFEH, who said they would not comment on personal matters. Quote, DFEH will continue to vigorously enforce California's civil rights and fair housing laws, end quote, a, pro- a, a spokesperson said. The shakeup comes just two weeks after Activision reached a settlement with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission for $18 million over a similar lawsuit. In a series of court squabbles, California's lawyers had attempted to block that settlement, but were ultimately rejected by a federal judge. Also, I butchered a lot of those quotes. There's a lot of quotes in there. <laughs> no, you did fine, dude. I didn't okay. know it was a goddamn thing. I was kind of steaming over the fact of, listen, guys, I hate to get political. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh-huh. here we go. Uh, you know, listen, guys, real talk. I usually lean to the left. That's how you, that's where I like, that's where the temperature in, is in the room for me. But I like to cast stones on both sides all the time. And this is just another example of no matter if they wear the, the blue pin or the red pin, they have the D in front of their name or the R in front of the name. At the end of the day, from just an average Joe's perspective, I may not be a big shitty lawyer. Uh, this is just what I hate the most. Is- I know you said city, yeah. but it sounded like you said shitty. I mean, it is shitty, too. <laughs> uh, it This sucks. It's yeah. just them getting away with it. And I don't know, like, to me, it's like, yeah, like... You see it all the time, man. You see a corporation gets gets in heat and someone, no matter like, you know, because I know Bobby Kodak leans more to the right, right? Uh, it don't matter. Bobby is going to give money to Newsom or his campaign or whatever is happening. Hands are going to be shaking somewhere mm-hmm. and Bobby Kodak's going to be fine. Right? It's like the man's untouchable because the amount of money he has is of FU amounts. Yeah. Every time I hear this kind of stuff or see this stuff, I think, man, Gotham City is real. Yeah. There, there's a lot of shady businesses, uh, business practices happening at all times amongst everybody. Yeah. 
Oconee and and uh, uh, Harvey Dent are shaking hands right now. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And w- when you take a look at like what what's the governor's obligations to this is like probably I, I know Bobby Kotick was like we'll leave to Texas, and that's a lot of companies are doing that because the taxes are so damn high uh, in California. It's too much, and mm-hmm. the regulations there are stupid, insane. Um, so from what I hear, so. Yeah, if you're if you're Mr. Newsom, you want to keep those people in California. Um, you want to keep that business there, so you have an obligation uh, to maybe say, "Hey, y'all, maybe let's not go that hard." But also, at the same exact time, you have the bigger obligation, which is justice and the pursuit of such, and um, that should oversee. You know, that uh, should yeah, that should tax be rebates. the. Yeah, that should be the main objective. If yeah. you're in that position of work or, or title, justice, doing the right thing should be the only thing for you to worry about. And yeah. the fact that that is not true and that that thought is more of a fairy tale than Snow White is, mm-hmm. it hurts hurts my soul and that's why like, I still can't get over the fact and why I'm still like the only reason why – I see a lot of people still with this defense of like, yeah, but like once Microsoft has them, everybody's gone. Mm. It's like, it's not that simple. It's It's like, and why are we cheering that these people got away with it? Yeah. Like, can we just acknowledge a simple truth in the room here? Phil Spencer said, we're going to reevaluate our relationship with this company. And the reevaluation was we're going to buy you and give you millions of dollars so you can leave. Mm-hmm. That's a hard reality. Right? You know, Mr. Gavin Newsom speaks a big game on workers' rights and, and women's rights and all that jazz in his state because it's heavily blue. But we see right here, he ain't really doing it. His words are just that. So it's aggravating for me to see people that just created a shitty environment for their workers, for thousands of people, just get away with it and walk away with it. And we should just be happy with the fact that they're not going to be here anymore. And some other rich guy is going to be taking their place. Like simply that just solves it. Yeah. It's just, it's just frustrating to me. And it yeah. doesn't come down to it. I swear to God, if like someone clips it or someone like ats me on Twitter, I'll lose my mind. It doesn't, it doesn't come down to like, Oh, Joseph's a PlayStation guy. Like that bullshit. It's just the simple fact of I'm seeing people getting, doing. It's like Harvey Weinstein or not Harvey. Weinstein. Who's the guy that didn't kill himself in jail? Oh, Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. You know, that guy was about to get justice. You know, someone done killed him. Mm-hmm. And we're all just supposed to like think that uh, his his crazy girlfriend is just not going to do the same thing, and we're all just okay with that. Like, come mm-hmm. on, man, that's a, that's annoying. Because yeah, the people were winning; they were winning. It's just unfair. And yeah. I vote this dummy out. He's a dumb dumb, and it sucks that he couldn't be he he couldn't get that special election. Uh, I know they had one because he had a God. He, he doesn't listen to his own goddamn rules. He had like a COVID party or whatever. Um, and they had a, held a special election for that. I wish if it was for this, because to me, I'm like, this is a way this is this is way worse. Yeah. And the fact that like, no one's talking about it mm-hmm. makes me just sad. 
that's my uh, rant for the day. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say uh, the name of a AI that would control people's phones, but I'm not gonna do that to people. But like, hey, blank, play, uh, play True Colors, because that's that's what I feel like we should be listening to <laughs> when we hear this governor show his true self. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it it's it sucks. Um I don't know what happens after this. Um but I can assume that they're going to get their payout and they're going to just walk away richer people. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, we we're, we're supposed to be happy about this cuz Phil Spencer says nice things in front of cameras. It's what it is. Yeah. Makes me sad. Same. Who we hey, let's talk Emma about Roth. more shit. <laughs> <laughs> Emma Roth over at The Verge. Uh, bad segues aside, digital PS3 and PS Vita games are rendered unplayable after expiring. Players on PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita are having trouble accessing their digital purchases after a strange expiration date suddenly appeared on certain games, as first rep- reported by Kotaku. The problem seems to mostly affect classic titles, preventing users from playing Chrono Cross, Chrono Trigger, and Final Fantasy VI as the games are now expired, quote-unquote. But here's the odd part. The expiration dates are dated half a century in the past, Twitter user Christopher Foos shared an image of his Chrono Cross download, which shows that the game expired on December 31st, 1969 at 7.20 p.m. What a year. He, he says the issue only occurred after re-downloading the game and that he's now unable to play it on PS3 and PS Vita. There is one possible reason why this may be happening, though. Kotaku notes that the issue may stem from a glitch causing the PS Vita and PS3 to revert the game's licenses expiration dates to the Unix Epoch, or the arbitrary time and date set by developers to designate the beginning of a console's life. Even if this is just a glitch, it's stoking concerns that Sony is dealing yet another blow to the PS3 and PS Vita stores. After the game company nearly closed down both stores last year, it made them harder to shop at by taking away the ability to use credit cards or PayPal to make purchases. Ooh, we. Kyle, I want to give you a little antidote. While all this was going on, I was looking to go buy a PlayStation Vita. <laughs> Were you? Yeah, I was dead set on it. And like, good friend of the show, Donnie Reese, reaches out. He's like, hey, you could buy my, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe jailbroken one. I don't know. Oh, And I'm like, I-, I may or may not be interested in it. But then the Steam Deck, I got the email for the Steam Deck. I got to turn Donnie down because Steam Deck is a yeah. big boy. And yeah. I, I just get... And here's the thing, like I'm gonna play PlayStation games on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why would like, you I'm, not? <laughs> like I'm just getting excited at the thought of like playing Ghost of Tsushima on the go. Yes. Yeah, you because know, you know that game's getting ported to PC. So like yeah. it's just like I can't wait. God God is good. God is great. <laughs> that said, Nagachaka writes in. What are your thoughts on the expired digital PlayStation One games, PS3 and PS Vita? Uh, the issue seems to be resolved now. It has. I haven't seen anybody complain. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some people, they couldn't play Chrono Cross or other PlayStation 1 games that they own digitally on the PS3s and Vitas. Hashtag long live the PlayStation Vita. Long LOL. It, 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 it died. It's it's dead. I'd even celebrate its... Well, it, last week was its, uh, its, its death celebration. And I, I feel like we just got to get over that hump. Gotta get over it. I'm still grieving. How dare you? 
Nah, it's, it's, come on. Come on. Uh, Take for- off the wedding dress. It's been seven years. <laughs> the wedding dress is just little deviance. The <laughs> game. I'm just clutching it. Yeah. Never. I'll always remember my first. <laughs> uh, first thoughts while reading this, Joe? Yeah. Just to piggyback off of what you were saying uh, last week. Oh, man. Chrono Cross, Chrono Trigger, and Final Fantasy VI. Ooh, where are all those games from? Square Enix. Makes you think. I don't know. Hmm. Makes you think. But no, it, honestly, it's just it's just weird. I, I, I don't know why this would happen. I don't know why the arbitrary date is December 31st, 1969 at 7.20 p.m. Yeah. I... Eventually, the stores are going to close. Eventually, we're going to have to deal with it. Eventually, you people need to realize that physical media is the uh, way to deal with this situation. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see. Even I'm though sure. I know those older games are crazy expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know why it would be that. Uh, but it just seems like a weird back, you know, a backdoor thing that, again looks like they probably fix with a with a hot fix um so yeah i haven't seen anybody i even saw uh front of the show dash even go hey i'm playing chrono cross right now it's working completely fine so i just wanted to make sure people knew and were aware if you had vita still or or what have you like be on the lookout yeah yeah also i would love to know and i know they're out there Mm. and i'm only slightly jealous of you yeah Who's playing their PS3 console in 2022? I would love to know. Yeah. Who is? Because I, I miss my PS3. I would love to play I my don't. old place. Well, it, the, the, the fat one where I could put PS1 discs in oh, and sure. PS2 discs sure. in. I miss that. So who's playing their PS3 console? I want them to uh, use yeah. the six axis. I hope the, not. That very light controller. I want to know. I I I want to get a PS3 again just to hold the controller to know how far we've come. Yeah, right. Because there was something about that shitty control, and let's be honest, it was a shitty controller. It wasn't great. Yes. It was not good. It was not good. It is awful. Like, I'm I'm just saying it mm-hmm. so that you know and you're aware. But there was something about it that you still loved, though it was kind of garbage. And not kind mm-hmm. of it was. Mm-hmm. I, and just to think this in my own head, that controller is so tiny that's in my what memory. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, <laughs> when, when I'm talking, I'm like a like T Rex hands. Yeah, and like who? It's on, like a Joy-Con compared to a Dual Sense. Yes, that's in my mind. That's what I'm thinking. Like, look at this controller; it's perfect. God damn it! Yeah, God, yeah, I love Dual Sense. Beautiful. Oh, kiss you right here on the podcast. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I want people to know that we lo- we're in love. <laughs> <laughs> but like, who thought on the PS3 controller that like the the weird like concave like uh, like trigger was a good idea? Oh, that would swoop yeah. down so your finger would always yeah. slip off when you're trying to play goddamn Uncharted, or that the shoot and Arch- uh, Uncharted was R1. Remember yeah. that? Well, that was just that generation in general. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I there is something oh, about aiming, going back. aiming grenades in Uncharted by using the six axis, and you had to do the motion control. Yeah, there's oh, some boy. things I don't miss. Oh, there's some things boy. I do not miss. <laughs> but that's a, that's why I am like excited for this streaming alternative because, yeah. like, to me, I'm like, yeah, I don't have to go out there and buy a PlayStation Three or PSV or no. Vita will come. Vita will come. Everyone, trust me, it will be there. But like, you know, 
PSP, PS1. It's just like, it's there. It's convenient. Yeah. Um, and it's just sad knowing that all these games are going to be really hard to be accessible. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to be forgotten about, and, and I, hopefully this service is going to bring life into it. It has made me a little like apprehensive about my digital PS5, though. I still love digital because of the lack of clutter. It is something for me to think about 15 years from now where I'm like, I want to play Ghost of Tsushima on my you know PSX, but can yeah. I? You know, that type exactly. of thing. Yep. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Ghost of Tsushima, it's time for Flash News. Gotta run fast. Gotta run fast. For for audio listeners, we're running like we're in the Flash, but like the WB show, so it is. Yes. It is bad. Yeah. It's so ah! bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest. Every single time you even think or begin to talk about that gif, you break out in, in the. <laughs> Everybody look up Flash Run Yell and you'll see Grant Gustin or whatever his name is. He's running behind a green screen. Okay, right? This is this is in pre-production or whatever. And it's just him running with, with uh, his wife. And then he just turns and you just hear him go. Ah! <laughs> it, is, it is the best thing ever. Oh, it fills me with so much joy. Anyway. Ghost of Tsushima finds its screenwriter. This comes from Push Square, as reported by da- uh, Deadline. I was going to say Dateline. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, the movie, based on Sucker Punch's wildly successful samurai action title, now has a screenwriter attached. Takahashi Dozier is signed on to pen the screenplay of the project. His previous writer writing credits uh, include Only and Still, both of which... He is credited for. We also know that Chad Selensky is on board to direct Ghost of Tsushima, best known for the John Wick films. Oh, he's good. God is great. At present, no cast members have been formally announced. It's probably far too early for that. Still, it's exciting that the wheels are turning in on this adaptation. Um, I think Rigo wrote in and someone wrote in. I mess up the questions this week, boys. I'm sorry. It's it's all on me. But it's like, hey, who should be Jin in this adaptation? Oh, I it's, think it's Green Gorilla asked this in. He's like, who should be the adaptation? I, I know we agree with on this because I saw your tweet earlier. It's what I feel about Kratos and Christopher Judge being Kratos. Yep. It's Daisuke's uh, Suji. Yep. The, the actor who played Jin in the game. Why not just make it happen? He is Jin. He is Jin. He is the reason why we love this character. Yeah. I love this character. Like, he is him. He got the, I, he got everything that you need. He's right exactly. there. Yeah. And to me, I would feel I like, I would feel a little insulted. Yeah. It, it, we're, we're now in the time where the performances in games yeah. are so much more than just their voice. It's yeah. their, uh, um, athletic movements it's their mm-hmm. physicality it's their the little nuances that they put in there what during the performing on the motion stage yeah he is that character yeah i just give him the role now just, i don't understand I, I swear to god if it goes to chris pratt i'm gonna <laughs> lose it the voice of mario chris pratt and garfield yeah, like yeah I, get, I get everybody's like it's it's either him or tom holland listen i will lose it <laughs> Because, like, to me, I fear that it's like, oh, it just comes down to the Twitter followers or the Instagram followers of, of said actor, 
right? Yeah. Like, one would think, like, oh, Steven Yeun's a great actor. Maybe he could play Jin. But it's like, yeah. well, that's also a little offensive because, like, Steven Yeun's Korean. He's not Japanese. So it's just like, that would be out, out the table, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That being said, though, um, oh, my God, the guy that, um, who's Shang-Chi. Simu Liu? Yeah, Simu Liu, who is, like, very easy on the eyes. Um, yeah. I, I know I think he's Chinese, but he also, he like, he played a Korean in, in, in Kim's Convenience. So, that being said, us Westerners are ignorant enough that we'd be like, oh, that's great. Um, but for me, it has to be the, the person that put on the performance. And yeah. there has to be, like, a, a tangible reason as to why that couldn't be the case like to me i'm not mad that you know um oh my god what's his face oh it's playing uh joel why can't i get him his troy baker no i like i'm not upset that troy baker isn't isn't yeah. joel because he's just hey he doesn't look like joel he sounds yeah. like him he's great and all but mm-hmm. to me like i'm not upset that um i'm think why am i thinking oscar isaac Oh my god! I don't know who are you trying to. Pedro Pascal. Character? There you go. There you go. Like I'm not upset that Pedro Pascal is being Joel because I'm like, oh, Pedro Pascal is like, yeah, amazing. But to me, I I truly believe that like, Dice is is Jin. Yeah. They used his face. They used his movements. Put him in. It yeah. just makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I will be at bat for this man. Oh I, yeah. I feel like every week I need to let the world know. That he needs to be Jin in the movie. I just don't understand why they don't just give the whole cast of the game and put him in the movie. I know, they're all great, and like if you're going for, you know, the Kurosawa esque nature, everybody nails their role perfectly. Yeah. So go for yeah. it. And I swear to God, I saw. Oh God, I don't want to give you credit. Thank God. Oh, Court Lalonde was like, I heard it's Tom Cruise. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it with the last samurai. Oh, I've had enough. No. I've had enough. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that said, do what's right, Sony. Do the right Please. thing. Put our boy in Ghost of Tsushima. All right. Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer. It was revealed. Sure was. How did you enjoy it, Kyle? Uh, I'm happy for you, Kingdom Hearts dorks. Um I'm not a fan. I like how even you can't be positive. <laughs> I can, I'm trying. I yeah. like it'd be one thing if I was blown away by the trailer. I wasn't, yeah. But yeah, I wasn't. Like a new new Kingdom Hearts is cool and all. I'm more excited that that Nvidia leak is more and more true every <laughs> single time. Yeah. You're so like give Final me Fantasy Final Fantasy Nine remake uh, when and now. Like come on now. Yeah. Uh, of like Bioshock 2022 was on that list. I doubt that's a thing though. I don't know. That's we're getting a little late, hey. but like, I know gusto confidence. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I just wasn't blown away by the visuals of it. It's felt like, I think you put it best that morning. You're like, it looked like a tech demo for like last generation. Yeah. It's really weird. I, it's hard for me to accurately describe why I wasn't impressed. Oh, I can the, the movement the, looked cool, but other, other than that. Yeah, like the moment where he spawns a keyblade, that's dope, and he jumps the air. I'm like, okay, this yeah, is cool, yeah. right? But to me, what makes, and again, if you like it, I don't want to yuck in your yum. You know I'll troll you because I love you. But 
what makes Kingdom Hearts special, the way I think about it when I think about why I loved Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, coming from a non-Final Fantasy person, is it blended the art style of Final Fantasy and the art style of those classic 90s Disney movies mm-hmm. and blended it together. Like, Sora looks like a perfect blend of that art style and you know, the pants and, 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 you know, his jacket and all that are symbolic to Mickey mouse. Yeah. And here you, he, he spawns in the quote unquote, like real world or what we would think of as a real world. And it just, the art style was muted because everything looked real ish. Mm-hmm. Right. Like nothing screamed Disney out of it. And I feel like the further and further they stray away from Disney, the less and less I care about this this series. Sure. Because I'm in for the Disney elements. God forbid you put Star Wars in there. God forbid you put the MCU in there because I'm in. I'm in. Well, there were there were some things going around. There was a clip of like the forest area and they're like, oh, is that an AT-AT foot? Like, Again, I'm in because I'm, I'm a sucker. But at the same also, Donald time, the Goofy are in hell. Apparently, I don't know are where they, they really? are. I don't know. <laughs> well, they it was very dark. It. There was fire. They deserve it, <laughs> <laughs> especially Goofy. Anyway, uh, but yeah, like to me, it, it just felt muted. It looked empty, and then like there was like six people in that city. <laughs> sure, there was like a plant and a couch that looked all right. Um, Can I, oh, I, I can tell you the comparison that I had in my head. Go for it. It reminded me of New Donk City. Yes, from Super Mario Odyssey. You nailed it. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, it's okay." Odd, odd, odd choice, odd flex. And then when he does all his battles, it just kind of just screamed like, "Oh, this is what everybody's been saying. This is Final Fantasy thirteen versus." Sure, you know this is not what the game's going to actually look like. And even they're like, "Yeah, it's going to be on Unreal Engine five, so it'll look prettier, but it won't be what we saw here." Yeah, so it's also probably not going to come out for what eight years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're switching engines, and it's Nomura of all people. Come on, mm-hmm. but whatever. You're excited. I'm excited for it, Cam. Okay, I, I hope I, I hope it was worth it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sony invests one billion dollars into Epic Games to build the future of digital entertainment. AKA, it sounds like NFTs. <laughs> Sony Group Corporation President and CEO Kenichiro Yoshida says the following As a creative entertainment company, we are thrilled to invest in Epic to deepen our relationship in the metaverse field. Oh, wow, we, a space where creators and users share their time. Sure, they do, bud. Uh, we also are confident that X. Ex- Epic's expertise in including their powerful game engine, of which Sony doesn't use, uh, combined with Sony's technologies, will accelerate our various efforts, such as the development of new digital experiences, yay, in sports and virtual production initiatives. Nothing says excitement like virtual production initiatives. End quote. All that was in the quote. Yep, 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 yep. Every word. Just so you guys know, Jack Dorsey's uh, the 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 ex CEO of Twitter. His NFT of which he bought for two point nine million dollars sold today for two hundred and eighty dollars. So, yeah, web <laughs> web three really taking off, boys. Really Ooh, taking off. This boy. is great. This is great. Now, I, I saw a lot of people like, oh, what does this mean for PlayStation and Epic? Um, it means that over the past three years, PlayStation or sorry, Sony, not PlayStation, Sony, yeah, Sony. has put one point four billion dollars into Epic and it is growing. 
And that, yeah. that, that billion is going to become billions because they see it. Epic is in all the pies. They're going to be probably at the end of the day, the premier game engine and production engine when it comes to, uh, you know, movies and TV. So they saw it. They're yeah. putting money in it. And I also can imagine uh, when it comes to gaming and Fortnite in particular, a lot of Sony franchises will show up in, in Fortnite. And it, we've already seen it, right? Yeah, yeah We yeah. saw the Uncharted movie, uh, Nathan Drake in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even it. talking about just games. I'm talking about, like, in movies and TV oh, and sure. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. BAFTA. Guess what? You ever heard of this? Yeah. The British Awards F- Federation Trade Awards. <laughs> PlayStation had a great night at the 2020 BAFTA Game Awards, uh, notching a total of six wins, including best game. Let's give it up for Housemarque's PlayStation 5 exclusive Returnal. Please clap. Please clap. That's the game of the year. I hate to say it, but we started that trend. So BAFTA, give us credit. And at the same exact time, keep my wife's name out of your mouth. That being said, (laughs) another... It's an award show. It's you know, it's it's oh, trendy oh, yeah, to say yeah. this. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. You know, keep my wife. Remember that? Remember I do that? remember that now. Name? Yeah. All right. Another. Also, <laughs> also, it's the British Academy of Film and Television Arts. Oh, cool. Just so you know, cool, not cool, what it, cool. not the Trade Federation or whatever you said. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about offensive characters. Oh god, the Trade Federation. All right. A- Another PlayStation 5 exclusive Insomniac's Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart took home awards for best animation and technical achievement. Returnal won a whopping four awards, including best audio achievement, goddamn right. Best muti- music, goddamn right. Performer in a lead role. Yes, that one makes me very happy. Congratulations, congratulations. Yeah. Hey, Jane, listen, invitation on the show. Come Please. on by. Talk about how, like, I don't know, the awards change your life or how maybe our awards set off this chain of events for exactly. you because you won yeah. our awards. And maybe BAFTA saw that and they're like, huh, these kids are on to something. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'd just like to talk to you about the process. Yeah, please. How, you know, how do you go from Dana, uh, was it uh, Burnwood, over to Celine? You know, how's that like yeah. balancing that? Yeah. Because Celine. We got questions. Oof, Celine is, she's seen some, she's, yeah. she's seen some stuff, Jane, you know. All right. And overall, best game. Congratulations, Housework. You deserve it. Huge congrats. Game's amazing. Yeah. Nothing more to say here, folks. No. Uh, Buck Snacks DLC. Yeah. The Island of Big Snacks. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I didn't put anything here because I knew you would do that. I Yeah. I'm so excited. Uh, uh, Mike at 61Indie got to see the preview event oh, and nice. got to cover it and all. Um, it's really, really expansive. The DLC is like four or five hours ish mm-hmm. brand new Island uh, with some of your buddies uh, going with you over there. Um, it will be easily accessible for those of you that have beaten the game already. Uh, it'll be ready to go by then. Uh, in addition to this though, it's got like animal crossing light, Mm. where you can decorate your home in Snacksburg with different things that you will get from completing other characters' side quests and whatnot. In addition to their own version of what Mike called shiny hunting in Pokemon, but you will find Bugsnax with hats, <laughs> and, and you will have to catch them 
in addition young horses never change i love you so much weird sons of guns it's gonna be so good i can't wait all right and it's out everywhere which is really cool yeah it's uh, it's on game pass yeah but it yeah game game pass it's switch pc uh i believe it's 29 dollars everywhere else but it is a free update for playstation nice okay cool cool, if you own it already that said, here's here's some sad news. Witcher Three next gen upgrade pulled from the uh, pulled from Russian studio delayed indefinitely. This comes from Ethan Gotch over at Kotaku. Yeah, I know. I pulled an article hey. out of Kotaku. That's a Whoa. first. And let's be honest, probably a last. While Sombre Interactive is headquartered <laughs> in Florida, you, I can't pass up a good office. Quote. I know. I know. Uh, its first game studio was established in Saint Petersburg, Russia. The same studio that handled work on the 4K and Switch versions of The Witcher 3. Following the invasion of Ukraine in February, however, CD Projekt Red condemned Russia's attack and halted sales of games and services in the company, while other companies followed suit, with some relinquishing ties to uh, Russian game studios over the war. Uh, It's unclear if CDPR's decision to finish the next-gen version of The Witcher 3 in-house is related to uh, what's happening in Ukraine. But when asked, CDPR said the following, we have no further comments or statements to make at this time. So, yeah, and Sombre did not choose to respond either so it seems like this is the case and i can tell you from experience it's it is harder and harder to work with russian-based studios harder and harder so even if like there were just like you know whether it was disagreements or it's just straight up there's no way we can actually pay you uh, or mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard to communicate because uh poland and russia right now are talking so much to each other back and forth that yeah, the, the they're they're pretty much the the, the ties are, are cut. So mm. yeah, th- this sucks to hear, but it's totally understandable. Absolutely, um, yeah. It looks like they're going to size down this update as well, which again a bit of a bummer. But I bet that there's going to be something in the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That said, Kyle, before we prepare the drop, um, here is a little snippet of an interview that I did with the developers over at Polyarch the creators of Moss Book 2, where we talked about the development of the game, what it was like, some of the tips, the tricks that they employed to get this thing on the PlayStation VR and all that good jazz. So with all that said, with all that out of the way, uh, Future Joe, take it away. And with me today, the developers from Moss 2, I want to introduce Doug Burton, designer for Moss 2. Hello, Doug. How are you? Good, sir. And I want to intro the environmental artist, Cooley Callahan. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm excited because Moss 2 is finally out for everybody to play, for all PSVR owners to enjoy. Uh, As of recording right now, I'm about to have a conversation, literally after this interview, a conversation with my my co-host to talk about his thoughts on Moss 2. I'm very excited about But... That said, this is kind of like the appetizer to the main course. So I want to talk to you guys. First and foremost, Moss 2 is out. I'm going to go to you, Doug, first. Cool. How does it feel launching the game? Is it a burden off your chest? It is awesome. I mean, yeah. yeah. I've got a lot of great feedback. People are really enjoying it. 
and so it is very relaxing to be like, oh, it all worked out. It's all it's all come come out very well. Uh, and actually, I didn't get to work on Moss One. I was like close mm. friends with a lot of the Moss One designers, and so my big thing was all I gotta do is at least be as good as Moss Moss One. Uh, and so far, it sounds like we definitely nailed that, uh, and it's been a bit been a big success. So very that's happy. awesome. That's awesome. And Mr. Callahan, sir, mm. how are you feeling? Oh, uh, it's it's always such a pleasure to finally have the thing you've been working on for years in the player's hands and a game like Moss, uh, it, you know, it's such a pleasure to be in the world and building those environments was an absolute blast and just seeing the reaction and seeing people in the spaces and reacting to it has been just, that's, that's why we do it. Yeah. That's awesome because like for the the thing that I've seen so far and again I can't wait to experience is the first opening hour it just already seems like the world is kind of expanded in a way like the levels feel a lot bigger the rooms feel a lot bigger for you to literally poke your head in and explore at so I want to first tug at that how is it going from you know coding a 2D sprite on a on a on a screen to making a puzzle in VR. How do, how does what what type of thought process does that go into making in, in Moss when you're talking about creating these intricate puzzles? How does that differ? Yeah, so the puzzles in VR, you definitely like, we have like a few kind of pillars we try and hit on. Uh, you know, the puzzles we want them to sort of have a bit of unknown going into it and so you can discover stuff as you're figuring it out and you also want the puzzles to have like multiple layers so there's more like a close layer a middle layer and a, and a further depth away layer uh and so as you mentioned like moss 2 we made, we made the rooms like much bigger much more complex and so that's given us more layers to add so now we can have a large left side of the room that has like three different levels of depth in it things for you to look around in and pull out and, and push through uh and then we have a lot more room on like uh, the other side or, or further back uh, we have a new a few new systems too to allow us, allow us to like move the player around the larger rooms very smoothly mm-hmm. so it just gives us even more room to just do a lot more cool things with it uh, but in general yeah it gives you more space to play with and you know 2d you kind of just everything's kind of like there for the player to see but in vr you can really hide some things in nooks and crannies and uh, let the players kind of really explore more yeah and you guys do that so well it's like so even going back to Moss One, you guys, there's some trickery afoot there because like you really do. It, it, it's it's awesome for those of you who don't know. You don't have to use the move controllers. You're just using the Dual Shock, and you know you could just sit in place and you could just move your head around and you kind of see. Oh wait, there's like a little there's a little collectible right here in this corner that I did not know was there. It's mm-hmm. it's so. It's so awesome. And by adding more space, I go to you, uh, Cooley, is the detail of Moss 1 to Moss 2. It seems like there's 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 actually a pretty a pretty noticeable jump, at least for my for my naked eye. How does that taking having so much more space impact you as the environmental artist? Yeah, it's um there's still, we still have some pretty, you know, hard constraints in that, um, you have to be able to reach most of what's in the level. Um, that was a definitely a, um, 
something I had to learn and um, sort of just working with the designers, um, working with Josh, uh, the design lead specifically, um, to just get that right. It's For me, it was kind of starting from Quill and then building out. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to some of the other projects I've worked on where, you know, I'm, I'm starting from the big macro shapes and then, you know, kind of going in, um, I think, you know, because we had more artists and because we had a little bit more time and because the, um, a lot of the systems were in place, um, it gave us more time to focus on the detail and we poured more energy and more time into every room. And, um, you know, some rooms are actually like three rooms kind of like stitched together. Um, and those are really fun because then you get to see the room from a different angle. And so you'll, you'll be able to, you know, it's not just you're moving your head, you're actually in a totally different perspective. And so that was really fun to, um, you know, explore what was possible with that, with that new system. And let me ask you something when it comes to this, uh, design constraints you can answer it or you don't if you'd like but when it comes to to psvr tech's been out for for a minute now mm-hmm. um with with the you know psvr 2 coming out how did you design this game did you find like the constraints around the older tech of psvr 2 to kind of or sorry psvr to to kind of not hinder but maybe have a, a an outlet that you know you can use saying you know what this is what we can we can do with this hardware, but maybe we can push it, push it somewhere in different avenues we didn't think we could before. Yeah, I mean, definitely. So the PSVR, there's like a few little uh, constraints just you kind of keep in mind. Nothing that really like causes us to, have to change what we we're going for. Usually, like one kind of largest one is the uh, DualShock controller has to always kind of face towards the camera, yeah. and so if you were doing any movements where you need to like really face your your hand out to the side or behind you or something kind of like almost abnormal sometimes just avoid those sort of things so we just kind of keep mm-hmm. in mind that it'd be best if whatever you're moving could work while still facing the camera uh but for most things we we're doing if we were doing something that was too far left or too high up it was already kind of too uncomfortable in vr so that was also just another warning of like hey maybe you shouldn't move something that way or move something closer or like cool you mentioned you want to keep things uh within the distance of the player so they're not having to stretch too far or weirdly or anything like that uh and so the psvr constraints were still kind of general vr constraints anyway and so it's all the things to kind of keep in mind it's also Mm -hmm. like when it comes to to moss it's also a more like constrained experience or more contained rather not constrained contained Mm -hmm. experience where you're not really having to you know figure out like how far the distance of of you know a to b is in terms of like rendering or getting that you know screen door effect because everything's just kind of laid out like a like a board right in Mm -hmm. front of you so you don't have to really go through the the mental like strain of that that's yeah that's that's awesome Mm -hmm. and when it comes to let me just check the notes here ah yes the combat of moss yeah how did that evolve coming from moss one to two um, I think with the combat, we definitely knew we wanted to keep it like approachable. So yeah, I think no one would call the Moss combat like super difficult. It was definitely like approachable, and people of all levels should be able to like handle it. Uh, but we wanted to add some more complexity and a little bit more like expression there. So we have some new weapons, uh, got some new powers for Quill, like and the Reader, and so the combat becomes much more interactive. Uh, you get much more kind of interesting choices to make. Uh, we got some new enemies too that require a little bit of like 
thinking. So you get to get to mix in a little bit of that kind of puzzle solving cleverness in there uh, with some of the new enemies. Um, and so yeah, it was just a a time to say what we did in Moss One worked really well. People really like resonated with it. Uh, what can we do to just make that a little more interesting or continue to be as interesting for uh, a longer game and just give them some new things to play with. Yeah. And to talk about the new aspects of the game itself, I'll go over to, to you, Cooley, is what are what are some of the more, or what are your favorite aspects f- going from Moss 1 to 2 that you had a lot of fun designing yourself? Well, definitely the bigger spaces were, were really fun. Um, you know, some of the, some of the, the rooms were just grander and, um, and that's always exciting to, you know, build those epic vistas. Um, you know, there, we have this uh, level in the garden in the castle and, you know, you can see, you know, the ruins of, of a human civilization. And then you see this, uh, you know, mouse scaled conservatory just kind of like set in it. And it's, it's full of detail and it's full of like really small detail um, because it's, you know, it's rodent architecture. Um, And that contrasted with, you know, the, the epicness of the garden was, was really fun. And working on all of those little details to get that, to get that right was, was really satisfying and really fun. And and I'll I'll throw this again to you, Cooley as well, because the one thing that I love is scaling. Like to me, one of my favorite Yep. My, my, the best Star Wars is Rogue One. I'm sorry. This is, I know, a very controversial take. But the reason is... you 100%. You're my favorite person. And the reason is, is because the scaling, everything seems epic. When you see that, the city, which you thought was just so huge a second ago, contrasts against what is the Death Star itself. You're like, oh my God, this universe is humongous. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you tackle the scaling of yeah, the moss world because there's human elements within it. Mm-hmm. We definitely play on the relationship between human scale and mouse scale quite a bit. Um, in the first game, you start in the, and Quill's off on an adventure in the clearing, and we start you in a natural environment. And there's some human scale bricks around. Um, you know that that Quill's platforming on um and then you go to the mouse village and you see you know the giant tree trunk with the small houses you know kind of you know set into the side of it and then you go to the mire and you see you know the this you know the swords and the armor you know stuck into the swamp and they're massive they're like towering trees and and so we did a lot of that in moss 2 as well we you know try to juxtapose it human scale elements inside the rooms and you might not notice it at first, but um, you, you know, something will either catch your eye because it's, it's moving or there's an animal there that you didn't see, or, mm. you know, there's a prop off to the side that, you know, you didn't notice at first, but it's actually, you know, it's a, a big rusty bucket and you're like, Oh, whoa, that that's huge. Mm. Um, and we, we like to, you know, kind of play with how open and how small the spaces are. And so we, we kind of pace the, the scale in a way where we, you know, we bring you out into this wide open space and then we bring you into these, you know, small spaces to just kind of create a flow and a pacing that feels nice. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, you know, we, 
the, the story of Moss is so important and making sure that we nail the right mood and the right tone to match the what's going on in the story. Scale can play a huge part in that too, um, whether it's like an intimate moment between a few characters or, you know, you're facing off against, you know, a large enemy. And so we're, you know, really opening it up. Yeah. And I, I feel like you all nail it so well, especially on, on, on the story element. Cause to me, it, it feels like the reason why I think I, I relate so much to, to Moss is to me, it, it kind of transports me back to like the old classic, like Nick Jr. Before Blue's Clues type of, type of cartoon, <laughs> like classic cartoons, right? Like I'm uh-huh. thinking of the classic, like, just like children's books that I would used to read like with the frog and the toad type of stuff. And it just, there's something about the, the artwork and you're right. Like the scaling that you guys constantly do that just works so well to Moss's, uh, to Moss's benefit and mm-hmm. to bring it into story. I know you guys aren't any, you know, the, the narrative, but you guys said that, you know, narrative is important to you guys. What drew you both into you know, the story in a way, what, what is the thing that compels both of you? I'll go to you, Doug. Cause you said, you know, walking into this, you just wanted to make the Moss one <laughs> folks mm-hmm, proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wanted yeah. to one up them. What, it, what was the thing when you came aboard th- that compelled you story-wise? Yeah. I mean, I was like Moss one. I was super, intrigued by the story and you know and the kind of questions it kind of leaves open and so as soon as i came here it was more like you know what what's the bigger story like what's happening in moss like what what, what haven't we heard about yet and you know mm-hmm. where did argus run off to we, 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 we didn't fill that in yet in a, a moss one and who or what really is the reader and kind of how are they connected to quill and just some of those interesting things and then yeah the the scale of like seeing the human things in the world you're like wait so are there humans here like what what's the story there and so there's just so much space to be like let's explore all that uh and i just started looking to that and we started asking questions about like what's where in the world what's connected and how's it all uh, play together we get to like come up with ways we want to uh kind of show off that world and uh and and more i guess have the, have the player be more uh involved in it and yeah. more interacted and, and all that i think that's just such a strength to vr too because yeah. you know i think of 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 moss where yeah i am playing a role in this and then i'm thinking of other like beautiful games like ghost giant which i am part of the story there and that's to me it's just the true power of vr is is why we love games so much because it's you know puts you in the in the in the in the position of the of the of the protagonist and makes you truly feel like you are the protagonist exactly. yeah yeah VR. you are you are the reader and so yeah. every time you high five quill that's really a, a genuine high five and every time you look at her and you all kind of make eye contact like that's all real you know even though it's virtual reality it's a real moment patting quill on the head is this the greatest is this the greatest just the greatest it's great mm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> what about you Cooley? what is the thing about the narrative that drives you when again you're you're thinking about you know progressing through what you have to do well i love the redwall books growing up um that was just such a fun universe to to you know just imagine being inside of and moss is you know it, it provides the opportunity to kind of experience that and um the what's more than that though is is the bond that you have with quill i mean like Mm -hmm. 
she's so brave. She's so courageous. Even, you know, from the very first puzzles in the first game, she's, you know, climbing on top of houses and, you know, jumping across water wheels. And, you know, um, it's, she's, you know, admirable in a way, but yet she's also, you know, such a small creature. Um, and so she needs you, she needs a reader. Um, and that is, you know, and Quill knows that and she, you know, she goes to bat for you. And, and so there's a friendship there and there's a relationship there that feels real. And the story team, I think, did a really awesome job of, you know, not just having this, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, romp through the woods, you know, like relationships, um, you know, have their bumps in the road and they have their ups and downs and there's challenges um, that, you know, any relationship might go through. And, mm-hmm. and so we present those opportunities. We present those moments to the player and to Quill. And um, it just sets up such a great, like the, the to build the stage for, for that play for, to like, for that cinematic moment. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's awesome to, you know, to, to just get aligned with the story team to understand like, Hey, what are we trying to convey here? What's Quill feeling? Yeah. Um, and what can we do in the environment to, you know, just really drive that home. And so, you know, I, I really get a sense that, you know, it's, it's like a play, mm-hmm. like you're inside of a play and, um, and we're making the set. And, uh, so, yeah, and the set is, it's a big deal, right? It's a, it's a big part of the story. Yeah. That's a, that's such a beautiful way to say it. Cause it, it, you are working. So, I mean, everyone is, but so integral to that story because you have to build what, you know, what the narrative team is kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're speaking it to you. You're, you're putting, you're creating the pavement, you're creating the foundation, you're creating everything, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that player sees it's, it's Yeah beautiful way of saying it way better than huh. i just did right now oh, <laughs> feel like a big dummy that said uh, you got it you got it you said red wall and i was uh-huh. like well red wall red wall let me and I, and I and i had a quick google i'm like oh my god this is the books my my, my brother loved these books as a mm-hmm. kid loved them loved them loved them and the 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 story or sorry the question leads to after that is other than, than books like red wall what are you know the the inspirations for moss and especially moss too is there any you know fables that y'all pulled to kind of look to for guidance i would say yeah for like design you know we still pull from like all sorts of games you know Mm -hmm. like we try and play every vr game that that we hear about as a studio just sort of say Pick and, pick and choose like on what they do well. How do they give really weight to objects? How do they give you a really sense of presence? How do they sell the scale of the world? And so there's like so many games that we're just look, looking at and pulling from. And man, it's like th- this late in the process, it's hard to like even name one at this point because there's just so many. There's like an amalgamation of them in my in my brain at this point. Yeah, uh, I mean Zelda might- is a huge influence. Um, <laughs> you know, it's. Um, like just solving, solving puzzles, right? Solving environmental puzzles, looking for clues, like noticing things that, you cutting know, grass, like, <laughs> cutting grass, breaking pots. <laughs> like that's, uh, that's, you know, half the fun. Right. Um, yeah. and, and just like having those like little breadcrumbs in the world that tell you like, Hey, this is important. You might need to, you know, think about this later. Um, yeah. It's a huge inspiration. That's awesome. Uh, the one thing that that Doug you mentioned, and I, I, I'd like to just, you know, one of the last questions before we wrap on up is, is, 
you know, pulling from other VR titles. Um, what do you feel like as, as, as a designer in VR when it comes to the, the, not say climate, climate's such an overused word, but I'll use it anyway because I'm lazy, <laughs> is what do you feel like is, is the relationship, not nah, better, yeah, relationship's better, uh, between you and other VR devs? Do you kind of feel like you're in the foxholes with one another? Like there's something, there's something special here and y'all see it? It's definitely that. I mean, like everyone, everyone's trying to like find what works best, what feels best, you know, how do you take what you've learned from like usual 2D game development and like what what works just as well in VR and what doesn't work in VR, what can you rework into VR. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, every time you see a new kind of indie game come out, it's like we're all super supportive. And, you know, we want to see what cool new idea did they try? Uh, how do they, you know, uh, pull off something that maybe we couldn't do? Because, uh, you know, Moss, we like to kind of shy away from like too much kind of UI. We want everything to really feel very natural and, you know, real worldy. But, you know, it's virtual reality. So, I love when people kind of push that and do some really otherworldly stuff and just like surprise you in ways you wouldn't expect. So yeah. it's, it's super supportive. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like in blood and truth when I was able to take like guns out by just <laughs> pulling out. Like, yes. like, yeah. I'm John McClane. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's something that like in VR, the UI just kind of melts away and it's just, it's you and things just become second nature as a, as a environmental artist. Are you guys, kind of sharing, you know, tips and tricks as well? I can't say we've, you know, gotten to the point where we're, you know, sitting down with other VR developers, although I would love to. That yeah. actually sounds like a really fun time to kind of share, you know, learnings and share experiences. Um, I think, um, you know, in some ways we also learn, you know, what we don't want to try. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn, you know, like some games have very intense, uh, locomotion and, you know, it's easy to get sick. And, um, I love the, the way that, um, Danny are, uh, one of the studio founders, um, he describes it as like a VR sickness bucket and everybody's got a different size bucket (laughs) and it fills up at different speeds for different people. And Danny's bucket is really small. (laughs) And so, uh, that's one of the reasons why, you know, it's this diorama and you're seated in one place is because locomotion and moving around is like so hard to do without, you know, alienating a big part of your player base. Yeah. And I, I I feel like, like, I mean, when I think of like my top three VR games, for me, it's it is Moss, Asherabot, and like Blood and Truth. For me, yeah. because like yeah, like it is about there's something that it just blows my mind what you're able to do with platforming in VR. Because mm-hmm. you think like oh Mario like wrote the whole thing right like there's <laughs> like how, how can we go much further than this? And there's just something about again that added element of you, be, you being in in that universe, you truly interacting with the world in a more intimate way than just pressing a button, um, which is just, yeah. It's unlike, yeah, it's yeah. unlike anything. Everything sort so, of melts away when you, when you do it just right, everything kind of melts yes. away and you're just like doing the actions without thinking about it anymore. You know, absolutely. Always looking for a way to make that. I think one of my favorite, um, sort of like, I think it was a tweet or something, uh, about book two was someone was saying that, 
you know, after they spent their time in the game, it was hard to take the headset off because they felt like they were in Disneyland. And like coming back to the real world was was hard. And yeah. that's like such a compliment. Like it just, it's, you know, it's a, all you could hope for is for someone to, you know, love it so much that, you know, they, they want to come back. Yeah. Um, and, and seeing just like, the love of, of the Moss community are just around, like even before two was even announced, just like all the artwork that your audience has made. is just awesome. Beautiful. It just speaks yeah. volumes to yeah. how special this game is. It's really, it's really touching to see people like make little quill figurines and, you know, drawings and all of that. It's, it's really special. Yeah. Now Moss audience, just for me, Make like a Bloodborne inspired one. I just want to see what that would, what horror show y'all were able to concoct. Did you see Bloodborne art? Yeah, just a little hat, a little, you know, just a little wax. Uh-huh. It'd be cute. It'd be cute. All right. I, I would, I, my audience would not allow me, gentlemen, to not press you on the last questions. But like I said, you could fully avoid them, a wink and a nod. A clever little gesture, like, eh. um, you know, GDC happened. Um, Shuhei Yoshida put a lot of PSVR two headsets on people's heads. Apparently, apparently, those headsets are already out in the wild. Maybe they're in an office or two. So, I, I'm, I'm at home. I don't even know what's in the yeah. office. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a conference room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nothing cool or interesting, you don't think? Uh. There definitely is some exciting new tech in the works from Sony, and we can't wait to uh, start playing with it. Um, okay. We're still we're still very focused on the launch. Um, right. We're still very much still fixing bugs, still watching a lot of playthroughs, um, but we are super stoked for uh, okay. the future of VR. We think it's very bright. Will we see uh, Will we see Quill on uh, on PSVR too? Time will tell. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. right now, yes. getting a raise. Right now, <laughs> gotta, I gotta nail the PSVR launch right. and make sure that feels yeah. great, uh, and then see what the team can do. See what happens, mm-hmm. right? Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough, guys. Y'all played the politics game so very well. <laughs> I, I just call it like it is. <laughs> yeah. you're right. You're right. You're at your home. Who knows? You know, how could it be there out of frame? I don't know. Couldn't be. Yep. You tell me. <laughs> uh guys <laughs> thank you so much for indulging me with that one um truly thank you all so much this has been a uh, 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 absolute pleasure um i don't thank know you. which one of y'all would like to plug moss too if, if we haven't done so enough already i'll give it to cooley go for it well moss 2 is out on psvr um moss book 2 it's you know it picks up right where moss 1 left off and your relationship with quill is going to grow and get deeper than ever and if you enjoyed moss or if you enjoy fairy tale fantastic stories then we you know really want you to pick up moss book 2 because we believe that you'll have a great time awesome awesome and i i believe so as well Gentlemen, thank you so much, Doug. Thank you, Cooley. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Joseph. With all that said, with all that out of the way, everybody, back to the show. Who we? How did they get Quill in their headset? Whoa! Whoa! That was pretty crazy. Are you they telling me there's rats. a real 
there's a real rat in my headset when yep. I play that game. Yep, that's Whoa, why I can't shake so it too hard. so close to my eyeballs. That's right. <laughs> that's it, Kyle. Uh, are you holding on to something, man? I am. Prepare the drop. Here are the latest steals and deals coming to the PlayStation storefront. This week, w- was that the Spider-Man uh, steelbook? Oh, this was 100% the Spider-Man steelbook. God bless. Look at how beautiful this thing is. Are you kidding me? Are you? Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Physical media, baby. This is supposed to be a PG-13 show. (laughs) But I'm getting (laughs) hard. (laughs) All right, Andrew Dice Clay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. April 11th, we got Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts 2 Complete Edition on PlayStation 5 and PS4. You know what I thought? I'm like, well, how are there thousands of people that listen? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> to us are you serious jesus wowie april 12th cathedral on playstation 4 huke uh ace deluxe on playstation 4 on uh, sorry yeah on april 14th nobody saves the world comes to playstation 5 and playstation 4 and kyle guess what what i've played a bit of this game we got review codes yeah. for uh for this game uh, courtesy of Drinkbox, and this is one of the reasons why I said I wanted to get a Vita, because everybody talks about Drinkbox supporting the hell out of Vita with Severed mm-hmm. and with Guacamole. Guacamole one two mutant muds, I believe is them as well. No, no, that's not them. Uh, that being said, Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure. That being said, this is my first Drinkbox game. And I oh, yeah. actually, it's not them. My bad. yeah, and I actually wrote down a few things. So I, I do not forget. First and foremost, I'm about five hours into the game. I'm like level 12 or something in the game itself. And if you wanted to know what Nobody Saved the World is, it's essentially their version of Zelda, but in the art stylings that is incredibly unique. But the only way I could put it into words is like old school Nickelodeon Kablam. Remember Kablam, Kyle? I do. Well, they made a game that was just totally weird and just at the same exact time, so absolutely gorgeous. And the twist with this Zelda game is instead of, you know, you have your master shield and your sword and you get weapons along your way, is that you're unlocking via the wand that you found because the 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 wizard has disappeared and you're yeah. trying to find him, is that you're turning into different things. So you could be a knight. You could be a rat that does dot damage, DPS damage. You could be an archer, which is awesome as all hell. I love the archer so much. You could be a horse, and there's a yeah. romance for horses. Uh-huh. Hilarious, and I love it. Uh, you could be a snail that just, like, shoots bullets. Like, it turns into, like... And when I'm telling you guys this, this is, like, the rat has, like, toxic. So it'll bite, like, at people's knees, and then it'll just do poison damage over time. The knight mm-hmm. will just, he's hes a tank, essentially. He's about getting in it and just, just slashing and slashing his way to victory. The archer is about piercing damage and then just ramping up enough mana to just turn your bow and arrow into, like, a machine gun. And each one of these things just changes up the gameplay, not slightly, just like overhauls it. Like you're playing something yeah. different every time. Like the snail is like, I am playing like, um, like one of those arcade space shooters, you know, it just feels and so it does damn a, good. It does a great job. Cause I played it earlier this year when it was on game pass and I cannot wait to get the platinum on PlayStation. Um, 
it it forces you to switch between the different versions. Yep. Because of certain enemies can only take damage after you hit it with a strong attack with this one class of character or like will only take damage if it's poison from the rat mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm trying not to spoil the the later All forms because they're really, really, really cool. Yeah. Uh yeah. I love this game. Drinkbox is unmatched, I feel like, with, yep. with their style. And nobody saves the world is such a good time. It's stellar. And like so you're good. switching these characters in the fly like like a weapon wheel and like ratchet and clank. Yeah. And again, when you're playing it, it just there's a different way to play every time. And there's t- I I love I don't know about how you feel about it. Mm. I know some people are a little iffy with it. Mm. I love constantly having quests on my screen and constantly being updated yep. and 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 knowing exactly what I'm doing and constantly being rewarded for that yeah. and having the freedom to experiment with the different classes. And, and later on you'll unlock where you can put other moves from other classes on uh, like, let's say you take the Knights move and put it on the rat. Yeah. And like, so like when I was playing on Xbox, I had my rat shoot arrows from the archer mm. in addition to doing the bite attack from poison. That's so there's awesome. the ability to create and mix match your own class to make a super, uh, super weapon for lack of a better term. <laughs> uh, it's just like it's, and the writing's stellar. The environments hysterical. are stellar. Oh, it's so yeah. good. And the level design is, is awesome. Cause you don't feel lost like a Zelda game. Mm-hmm. It's just like the, like, but you'll notice when you're walking through the field, cause this is 2d at the end of the day, you're walking through the field and you're like, ah, oh, there's a path that's, I think as a rat, I can get through and yeah. you go through it and you find a chest and you get all these goodies because of it. It's just, mm-hmm. it feels good. And yeah, the quest rewards you for playing that class. So yep. it's not like, Oh, I got a, fe- it's not like a fetch quest. It's like, no, I'm actively hitting stuff. That's how I'm doing this. I'm just doing it in different ways and I'm getting rewarded for it. And it makes me a better player along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this game is truly stellar, Kyle. Like I'm, floored by how much i love it i know a game is great when i'm not having a podcast or like spotify in, in the back because i'm just enamored with it yeah it it, it definitely it, it when you pl- start playing that game it hours fly by mm-hmm. time flies when you play you get sucked into that world so quickly real talk i played for three hours <laughs> yeah oh, oh, oh shoot okay <laughs> so yeah this is definitely a game i'm gonna plan on hands down Nobody Saves the World is a hard recommendation. Yes. Go for it, man. If you love classic Zelda, if you love Drinkbox, uh, even if you're new like me, this is an experience that you want to have because I, I truly think this is this might be one of my favorite games this year. Yeah. Road 96 comes to PlayStation 5, and last but not leastly, Winning Post 9 2022 comes to PlayStation 4. Winning post nine. What is what kind of know. sports game is that? Well, it's all about winning posts. Oh my god! Oh no! It is a horse racing simulation game. Cool. <laughs> and last but not least, the 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 segment we end the show with. It's time for the Sony Pony Express. Yeah! Awesome. Dave writes in. I don't have a question this week. I just wanted to shout you guys oh. out. Oh, oh that's fun. nice. Awesome, Dave. Oh, there's boy. more There's yeah. more there. Yeah. There's more there. Just wanted to say that you guys always put out banger content. Appreciate you, Dave. I don't, I don't anymore. I don't anymore, Dave. I, I've quite <laughs> had it with you, sir. Toxic writes in toxic. 
Since it was a bit of a slow news week for PlayStation, you don't say, Toxic, you don't say. Here's a Pony Express question. What's your most anticipated 2022 game that's not coming to PlayStation? Uh, immediate games I'm looking forward to are the new Pokemon game, Scarlet and Violet, and Starfield, which I don't even own the console for, and possibly get a delay anyway. What do you guys think? What is on Star- our fantasy league? Starfield, <laughs> Starfield is the one. Yeah. Um, I know there's another one though. I, I gotta look up a list. Real talk, it's 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 that strictly because of my fantasy league. We we need that needs to be a ninety. Phil, I uh, listen. Phil, hi. You need to deliver us here, okay? We're facing off against Sean Capri. He didn't even he owns a PlayStation or an Xbox show. Might as well be a PlayStation show. He put no Xbox games on. Phil, you believe that? You believe that? And he's winning. That should tell you a thing or two. We're fine. No, he's going to win. I just want him to know. No, we're fine. Yeah, I don't think so. Don't Don't worry your pretty little head. I don't know, man. It seems like World War III is imminent. All right. (laughs) That's it, guy. What's Uh, your... your I will... uh, I mean, Starfield, yes, but I do want to... If it comes out this year, which is a big if, Uh Redfall. I think Redfall looks cool it's a vampire game made by arcane um that trailer was awesome even though we don't see what the game looks like sure i like the vibes of it so if that if that hits i i can realistically yeah for me splatoon 3 oh for sure yeah i will i will lose my mind if I see Splatoon 3, I love like Splatoon's one of my favorite multiplayer games of all time, strictly because I get to beat kids. Just oh beat them up. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. That took, them. A, that took a turn. <laughs> no, dummy. It's deserve it. Anyway, Ooh. Rigo writes in. It's actually just it's stellar. It's like a great, you know. Yeah. Throw on a third person shooter where you're not really killing anybody. Anyway, Rigo writes for the PlayStation Plus Premium that includes PS1 and PS2 games. My question is Will PlayStation go the route of how Nintendo releases their virtual console games? NES, SNES, and N64 and Genesis. Oh, yeah, that's true. How weird. Oh, my God. Uh, Whatever they want, or will they release them all on day one? It's a great question. I hope they're all on day one. <laughs> they I, are not. <laughs> they're not going to be, but yeah. No, 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 no. They're going to trickle these things out. I think you're yeah. going to get a good amount of PS1 games, a good amount of PS2 games, a good amount of PS3 games, but they are going to trickle these games out. You're going to get like one of each, you know, every month. Um, and that'll buy them time for whatever their next plan for the PlayStation mm-hmm. tiers is. Not that I know anything, but that's what I'm pretty much assuming. It's like by the time that they filled out this service with PlayStation 1, PS2, and PS3 games, probably is their next phase where they turn it into a Game Pass competitor. Truthfully, that's how Mm -hmm. I see it. Mm -hmm. Um, Where they'll have like all those games as service games in there. Sure. Uh, Green Gorilla says, what's your favorite platinum trophy to or or achievement and why? Uh, First off, no achievements. Come on. Uh, slow news week. God damn it. Everybody says so. I had fun tonight. Hey, we're, we're, we're allowed to say slow news week. Yeah, you're not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still related to the trophy would be good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, definitely Bloodborne. Definitely. When I earn I, the Elden Ring? Yeah. Yes. That I will mean, be there too. you know, 
get on my level. That's what I'm going to say. It's fine. Well, I didn't use a guide. And? I didn't use a guide. I always go, my first playthrough is blind. And then okay. I like I don't save scum it. But then the next the next run I save scum. I don't like how you say save scum. You make me sound dirty. It's not dirty. It's yeah, a thing. Well you make me you make me sick to my core. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of the alfalfa from Little Rascals. You are the scum between my toes. That's right. Um my favorite platinum trophy is one of them, I will shout out Bloodborne, yeah, because they did that in secret, and yeah. you had no idea I was doing that. That was fun. That's awesome. Um, I love getting Final Fantasy VII Remake, Fall Guys, The Last of Us uh, Remastered. Um, all of those were incredible because mm. those all took. I think those are the peak of my video game skills. Fair, because those are all very tough to do. Very hard to get, and uh, I was very proud getting it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Again, I plan out my Platinums. I still need to get God of Wars for some reason. Oh, yeah, I don't want to hunt down those goddamn owls, but, like... Ravens. Ravens. Why do I always say owls? Anyway. I don't know. But, like, it, it games that I, I love, that's, that's, that is the... The thing so i'm getting horizon i'm gonna get like nobody saves the world I'm getting elden ring like the games that i truly loved i'm gonna risk it for the biscuit get that plat mm-hmm. all right yuna writes in i'm getting concerned about yuna oh why well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say i'm gonna say it right here her oh. question hey guys hope you're both doing wonderfully i am gta 5 pro- progress is going very well and i'm halfway through the game now my question for this week is, do you think it's cheating if you use a skip section in a game that is programmed in uh, In GTA 5? There is a system where if you fail up to three times in a section of a mission, there is an option to skip into the next section of the mission. I have been using it to save time as I do not want to waste time on progress, but a put off of for me is like it's cheating even if i was to put in uh sorry i feel like it's cheating even if it was put in by the devs i'm curious what you guys think this is why i'm concerned about yuna it's not that she's using accessibility options i'm totally fine with that but it's about this boy anders remember oh yeah i told her a bad boy you think you're gonna change him Right? Anders is not a good guy in Dragon Age. It's a forbidden love. Yuna thinks she can change Anders. And next thing you know, you know, she's running over hookers, getting their money to buy blow in GTA 5. Oh, yeah. Sweet little Yuna Uh, would do no wrong two, three months ago. Now is partying up with Trevor. See, this is why I refuse to sell GTA to kids at GameStop when I work there. That's right. It's rotting their brains. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. If it's program, if the thing is put in by the dev, go for it. Don't feel guilty. Absolutely, yeah. Choice, do it. Go for it. But again, you know, we're we're all here for you. Maybe take a break. Play play a bug snacks. You know, play something good for the soul. Saunders. I don't know. So he's not a good boy. Do you changed. <laughs> you changed ever since you've been with him. <laughs> this is an intervention. Uh, 
Uh, Tino Six Speed writes in, not to be confused with Tino Seven Speed. Like I said previously, Tino Seven Speed is a big giant piece of shit. And I fucking hate. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> oh, I pressed the mute button. So, you imagine- did it because I heard the first two, and then nothing. And then nothing. Yeah. yeah, the button, the button blinked a couple of times. Oh, okay. Now you get the. I, 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 got I the feel gist. like someone had a chuckle in the car. All right. Yeah. Hey, Joe and Kyle. Push Square recently did a top 20 PlayStation Plus games of all time, going back to when this service first kicked off in 2010. It was a cool list, and I recommend y'all check it out. I don't expect y'all to make a top whatever list, but for humor, what are some of the best PlayStation Plus games you've received? Well, Bloodborne's there. Sure. And though I own it, it's the best one. Fact. Rocket League, Fall Guys, and I believe Metal Gear Solid 5 or 4? 5, I think. Yeah, 5 was on there. And I think those right there, amazing. Yeah, I'm trying to find this list, and I can't seem to find it. Hmm. Uh, Tino, are you lying? Is this no, Tino no, 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 absolutely not. And you just wrote no. your name. In I, this believe Tino Tino. I believe Tino. I believe Tino. Yeah, Rocket League's up there. Bug Snacks, of course. Uh, shout out to Resogun. Oh goddamn! Yeah, the launch of the PS4 with that game is fantastic. I love that they gave away Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, The Last of Us has been on there, like the Ratchet and Clank. That service is pretty damn good. Service is really great. <laughs> pretty Honestly, great. What has Xbox given you for the, <laughs> the games of gold? You know, Sonic. Twenty. Yeah. Is it Namco Museum Volume Four? Two thousand six. Yeah. Uh, couldn't be me. All right. Last question. This comes from Rick the Welsh. One. Are we getting to the point where we should shouldn't just give release dates for anything? That includes tech and games like you guys. I'm happy to hear stuff is delayed if it means no crunch, but man, it seems like every single thing is getting delayed now. Maybe it's maybe just say we're working on it. Get back to you soon. Yeah. Seems like I'm okay with that. Cause I see a lot of people like yell and go, we should announce it like three years out. But like half of the reason why those trailers are there are for fans and developers to let them know that they're working on this huge thing and you should be a part of it. So like that Wolverine trailer, that game may be in concept, right? But they're letting y'all know we're making a Wolverine game. Y'all like Wolverine? Ever heard of a Star War? We're making an old Republic, you know? Yeah. Get Get you in the door. I, I'm I'm of two minds of this. Like, I would much rather more devs and, and publishers go the route of the Fallout 4 Guardians of the Galaxy route where they show it off and then months later it comes out. Yeah. Like, I really, really, really love that because you, you see something that looks cool and you know you're getting it soon. However, I do love just knowing that this thing is out there. And, and and knowing that I will have, I'm looking forward to the next, I don't know, Gotham Knights, for, yeah. for example. Like, I, knowing that something is on the future uh, is equally as exciting. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm of two minds too. It's like again, I I now know the purpose of what these trailers do, but I don't like 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 the Kingdom Hearts thing. Yeah, like there is there's a part as the consumer side. It's like that game is not coming out in six years. Mm. Like I know Nomura's track record. You shouldn't have shown us. Oh yeah, shit. <laughs> I, um, Final Fantasy VII remake. I'll be an 86 year old man. Exactly. When that is done apparently. Exactly. So again, I. I I just just feel like don't put a date on it. Just yeah, just say at the end like we're working on it. Yeah, like coming not soon. Just say coming out whenever, bro. Like well, <laughs> I don't know. Just, that that is like specifically with Kingdom Hearts, and then the end now say Magic in the Making or something like that. Yeah, say something like that. Something something around project the, yeah. ongoing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That said, that's been this episode of the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast. Look at hey. that, Kyle. I'm losing my voice. So if you could. Spotlight yeah. yourself, good sir. Sure, I'd like to spotlight myself, Mr. Ksep, on Twitter and everywhere else. Uh, you can find all the work I do over at 61indie.com. That's S I X O N E I N D I E, where we cover rad new indie games. Uh, the mini indie showcase. Uh, the unofficial kickoff to PAX East 2022 is a thing that we're doing where we have 18 indie game announcements uh, in a little digital showcase kind of thing that we I've recorded this past weekend. And it's really, really awesome. And I can't wait for you to show it. That will be live on 6-1 Indies YouTube um, on April 20th, Wednesday. So very, very soon. And of course, I'll be at PAX East next week. So if you see me, come say hi if you're there. If you're not, no biggie. We'll see you soon. And I love you. Is your voice better now? I won't be at PAX East. I know. I'm bummed. I want to give you a big old hug. I miss you. No, I'm good. <laughs> what a dick move. You know what? Hey, Luke, you're the you're the best, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> No, I know. I wish I could go this year. Next year we will. And next yeah. year we'll get a floor and they'll be like, oh, you're a PlayStation podcast? Which one? And we're like, Should it, shouldn't it? Should it not one. matter? And the they're like, one. eh. Too, too close to the relation to the other one. And then they just kick <laughs> us out for no reason. And then we're supposed to be fine about it. You know? Uh, uh. I hope we get a floor at PAX. That'd be neat. <laughs> What do you mean by floor? What do you well, mean? Well, like a theater, a nice theater. A panel. A panel, yeah. Okay. I was but, like, a whole floor? We're going to have a whole floor booked for yeah, ourselves? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Here is my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you just brought garbage. It's my stuff. It's my stuff? <laughs> I live here. <laughs> Sir, are you homeless? <laughs> you can find the show wherever you find your podcast service of choice. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on even Stitcher. You believe that? Stitcher, it exists. Hey. Um, And I want to shout out Jimmy Riddles over on Apple Podcasts that rated us five stars on Apple, and they said the following. This deserves to be the number one PlayStation podcast. If you're sick of the frat boys and the doom and gloom club coverage, these guys are a breath of fresh air and genuinely a good time. Hey, thank you, Jimmy Riddles. Thank you. Thank you. I want to know what podcast you were listening to, though. Toga, Toga, you know? That's what I was thinking when he said frat boy. Like, Toga, uh. Toga, Toga. All right. I thought that joke was going to land. 
Anyway, you can find this show over at PS on Twitter, and you can find me over at Mr. Badbit on Twitter as well. So with all that said, and with all that out of the way, everybody, keep you what's about you. Keep hunting and keep playing PlayStation. See you guys. Bye. Love you.